Hey, welcome to Seed Heads, the cross-pollinating podcast where our Canadian seed heroes tell their stories, share their how-to tips, and talk about the seeds they love. I'm your host, Steph Benoit, coming to you from Vancouver, BC, on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. For this episode, I had the joy of interviewing someone I love very dearly. Lois Armstrong is a mother to six, grandmother to 17, including me, great-grandmother to five, former nurse by trade, and a lifelong backyard gardener. She was born and raised in Ottawa and turned 89 in September this year. She now lives in Kempville, Ontario, on the land of the Algonquin, Anishinaabeg, and Haudenosaunee peoples. My grandma has had a huge influence on my relationship with the natural world. I decided I wanted to interview her after spending some time reflecting on intergenerational knowledge in the very sacred way teachings on food have traditionally been passed down from our elders. In this episode, we talked about gender roles in agriculture, how coming of age in the Great Depression influenced her understanding of self-sufficiency, and of course, we talked about seeds. Thank you for listening to this episode that's very dear to my heart. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. Oh, yay, Granny, you made it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I got, I got, uh, I got uh, um, busy signals and everything, but I finally got through. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for persisting and, <laughs> and making it through. <laughs> I was worried there for a moment, but you got it. Mm-hmm. You, can teach a, you can teach an old dog new tricks, can't you? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> To begin with, I was wondering if you could kind of introduce yourself for people who don't know you as well as I do, and uh, and how many people exist out there today who are alive today who have you to thank for it. Oh, well, I'm Lois Armstrong. I'm 88 years old. I was born along with the Depression in 1932 mm-hmm. and uh, um, lived through the Depression and then through the World War II. And this is when I learned what I did about seeds and gardening. Yeah. And so how many uh, how many kiddos, grandkids, great-grandkids? Oh, now let's see. I have 17 grandchildren. I had six children, 17 grandchildren, and five great-grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. And who is your favorite <laughs> who you're on the call with today? <laughs> That's, that, is a loaded, that is a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> Forever changing, depending on who you're talking to. Well, yeah, and as, as you said, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the knowledge that you have today comes from the specific time you were born into. Um, can you talk a little bit about, yeah, your childhood and, and where that relationship with gardening and seeds started? Mm-hmm. Well, in the 30s, I was you know, 10 and under, but I can remember we had a big kitchen garden. My mother grew a lot of things. And in the basement, we had what we called a cold room with a bin full of sand that all the root vegetables went in in the winter and were kept quite firm. And we used through the winter and then were used for seeds in the spring. And the seeds were collected and kept in paper bags in this cold room. 
over the winter. And then things progressed in in uh, the 40s. It was uh, they were called Victory Gardens, and this, these seeds that uh, we kept, and then you you acquire some by trading with relatives and this sort of thing. But you always had a big garden because you had to be self-sufficient. We didn't mm-hmm. just have the supplies that are available today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from what I remember as well, it sounded like your family did you know, was able to provide a lot of the food for themselves and even other people during the war and stuff. Like, I remember you telling me about uh, your mom making sandwiches for people who who are going hungry. Oh, yeah. That was in the Depression years. We lived on the edge of Ottawa, and people would come in Montreal Road that came from the Maritimes that were hungry, and my mother always made them a sandwich and a, and a pot of tea and sat them on the back veranda, so we could always spare en- enough for somebody else which was a good life lesson. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who taught you a lot about this gardening and who was the one doing most of the gardening? Oh, my mother was the gardener. The women were the ones that did all the gardening back then. The men mm-hmm. did the, the, the heavy stuff like plowing in the fields and stuff like that. But the kitchen gardens were always the mothers and, mm-hmm. and the kids because we did the weeding and the I can remember taking the potato bugs off the leaves and and that sort of thing that the little ones did. And uh, and then as you got older, you got to do a little more. You got to plant. But we always, my mother always set aside a little spot for us ourselves and gave us a handful of seeds and let us plant them willy-nilly wherever we wanted. And everything came up and everything was mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I guess then... Was learning how to save seeds just something that happened along along the way? Oh yeah, every every year at the end of the season, you always kept enough beans and and peas and and things like that to, uh, for seed for the next season. You you figured you could probably get them, but you're always being a little extra safe by keeping your own seeds ahead of time. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, that's so funny. I was curious at what point there was more seeds being commercially available, either in like catalogs or, or what that transition looked like. Yeah, well, that was in, in the late 40s. I can remember the first time in the late 40s, my parents getting seed catalogs. Mm-hmm. And it was just like getting the Eaton's catalog. It was something new. You could get a few seeds that were a little exotic to our taste and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we were always trying something that wasn't on the, the usual run of things. Right. Like right. one year we grew peanuts. <laughs> oh, really? How'd they do? Yeah. We had, well, we had three peanut plants and I think we got five peanuts, which are like <laughs> a root. And we didn't realize they had to be roasted to taste good and they were awful. <laughs> <laughs> but the kids took them to, I took them to show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then did you find that there was like a point in time where people were saving a lot less of their own seeds and relying on these catalogs more and more? Oh, yes. Yeah, once these catalogs came out, you always saved your favorite seeds from your favorite plants. But uh, when the catalogs came out, you would order them from the catalogs. And then, you know, you'd swap them with aunts or uncles or this sort of thing so that Mm -hmm. you had a variety every year. Mm -hmm. And they were huge kitchen gardens. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember yours, like, um, out at the farm, I remember that kitchen garden. And it's like, if you were a little kid, it just seems like it could swallow you. Like it was massive mm-hmm. and there was so yeah. much growing in it all the time. It felt like it was always exploding with life. Mm-hmm. 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 And I guess you must've learned a lot of, uh, a lot of like preservation techniques at the same, same time as well for all of the produce to, to get you mm-hmm. through some of the cooler months. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, there was the cold cellar, but then everything was canned in those days, and that meant in bottles and and sterilized, and it's a wonder we didn't poison ourselves more often, but nobody got (laughs) sick with it. (laughs) But but I can remember my mother would spend the fall canning stuff, and we'd have Mm -hmm. shelves and shelves of it in the basement for over the winter. Mm -hmm. Nice. Did you do you remember a time when sort of like chemical fertilizers became more available or um, just these sort of things along the way that were designed to make gardening easier or, or quicker, or more straightforward? Yeah, it seems to me the gardens we had in the 30s and 40s, my mother never used any commercial um, they used to have old recipes like if you boil rhubarb leaves and make and have it in uh, fluid and spray your plants with it, it'll often kill stuff like aphids and stuff like that. I don't know whether it was a good remedy or not, but it seemed to work. Right, right. Well, <laughs> I remember you putting beer out in the garden for slugs. Yeah, yeah. You put beer out in the garden, for a saucer of beer for the slugs. <laughs> and uh, these, were, these were the old-fashioned ways of doing things, but they worked at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because now there's such a movement to to get back to that. I mean, the whole organic movement is trying to relearn these things that you grew up doing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I've never braided my plants with poison to begin with. I've always used the old way, even if it's just vinegar and water. Mm-hmm. I, I've never used any of the poisonous stuff on any of my plants that I want to eat. When you had kids, was it important to you to be able to teach them how to do some of this stuff? Oh, yes. Every six, one of the six of them had their own gardens. And I can remember one of them, uh, the the youngest one always seemed to just dig a big hole and throw all their seeds in the one hole. And everything (laughs) came up. And but they all had their own little gardens that I didn't touch. They were in charge of them. And uh, they they would compare. Of course, their things were always better than what I grew. Oh, of course. (laughs) I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, Growing up, mom, well, I think mom had a, a garden for a decent number of years, but um, I remember just there, oh my god, so much spaghetti squash, it would just grow and grow. Oh, and grow. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as we get older, I guess she she was doing it less, and now she has kind of a smaller garden, she grows some tomatoes, but she usually buys starts, she doesn't really grow them from seeds too often because it's kind of a long process, and uh. Yeah, but she's got a crazy green thumb. She, she oh, kind of plants yeah, things and forgets about them. Yeah. 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 No, I was gonna no, say last I'm... summer she found a she forgot about this zucchini and she got it and it was like honestly three feet long. Like it was so fat, far past where you could eat it. It probably went oh, to seed properly, yeah. I know, but you know what you do with those ones? You put yeah. candles in them on the center of the table. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's not the nice. <laughs> that's what we used to do when you got a, a giant one that got away from you. <laughs> <laughs> you use it as a, as a centerpiece? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Either that, that or you had an awful lot of zucchini bread. <laughs> yeah, honestly. 
And then, uh, so you lived in the Northwest Territories for a while when Gramps was doing his, uh, or the first few years of him practicing as a dentist. You two lived in, mm-hmm. in Fort Smith, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That was just at the tree line, too. It was, there was no good soil up there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really but, have a garden. We used to get these big barrels or big, big, anything you could put, get some topsoil and put in it. And, and you'd grow a few little things for yourself because everything had to be flown in. There was no gardening up there mm-hmm. at all. It just wasn't feasible. But mm-hmm. when you did plant them in your barrels and, and had the stuff come up, in the in the uh, summertime, it was sort of 24, it sort of got dusk around midnight for an hour or so. But the rest of the time, it was sun. So they mm-hmm. grew twice as fast. And it re- you could really grow good cabbage in that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I bet. I mean, 24 hours of sun. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes about how you feel about my generation uh, when so many of us don't know how to grow anything, let alone like save seeds from things to grow for another year. I mean, we're, it seems our generation is, is pretty dependent on external inputs in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think most of my kids have taught their kids we all have a, a, a niche to have a garden every year, but mm-hmm. you, I've always sort of got it into their minds. You have to have be self-independent on the food because you can't rely on other food. So you should have some idea of how to provide for yourself. And I think every one of my kids has gardens. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, it's not necessary, but they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully guess- they'll pass it on. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I think definitely part of the reason that I'm interested in this and I'm doing the work that I am these days is because of that sort of just curiosity of uh, growing things in the garden, throwing seeds into the earth, seeing what happens, whether or not you're, uh, you know, really reliant on things to grow. In some ways, it's nice that we have kind of that luxury of we can play around nowadays and see, ah, maybe it grows, maybe it doesn't. Um, It's not, you know, matter of life or death now to Mm -hmm. try to plant something funky and see if it grows. But um, yeah, definitely like spending time in a garden as a kid really like piqued that curiosity. And yeah, I think in that way, like I was saying, I feel like you're a you're a seed hero to me in encouraging me to get out there and to just observe and see what happens when you do this and that. I used to think that your best thinking all got done when you were gardening. It's very good for your mental health as far as I'm concerned yeah you sort out a lot of of things while you're pulling weeds (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah Um, yeah so you're yeah 88 this year turning 89 in September and you still Mm -hmm. have a garden Um, oh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I always try to explain to people who don't know you how like the phone will ring and you'll just jump up and I'm like oh my god she's 88 (laughs) when the phone rings I'm like (laughs) Ugh, maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. <laughs> and you're just you're <laughs> up, and you you've got so much vitality still. But um, yeah, I guess I'm curious, like why you've kept gardening all of these years. Well, I find it very soothing to begin with, and I always like to have that little extra put away in the winter. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just ingrained at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you've been doing it for so long. Yes, yeah, so I make my dill pickles and my relishes every fall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, living alone, I certainly don't eat them all, but it seems to disappear every time one of the kids come home. So mm-hmm. I'll keep on doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you think like 
the pandemic has been a good wake-up call for some people in that way. I think it's been great because people are going back to gardening now that have never gardened. They they really are having a big interest in it. You have to get out early if you want to buy some plants now because they're all gone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And one thing that amuses me, because all the new gardeners here last year ran out and bought up all the plants, planted them before they should, and they all got <laughs> frostbitten, so the stores got to sell double last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once before the frost and once after the frost. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah, too funny. It used to be the old idea that you never planted seeds in the ground until after the full moon closest to the 24th of May, and then the ground was warm enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've been, I was referring to the Old Farmer's Almanac, which is now online as well. So you can type in your postal code and it will tell you what the, the planting almanac is for, uh, for where you are. And Derek, my, my boyfriend was making fun of me for looking at this old farmer's <laughs> almanac. He's like, what is that? And I was like, no, it's important. We need to know when the full moon is. We need to yeah. know what the last frost day is. If you want to have That's a successful right. garden, you have to know these things. Yeah. yeah. And they're not often wrong on their predictions either, those old farmer's almanacs. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild, but out in a being out in Vancouver right now, I was looking and I was like, wow, I am used to the East Coast because a lot of these planting dates are so much earlier than I would uh, would have anticipated. But I wanted to tell you that. So last time I saw you, you gave me some yellow ble- beans and some black beans. And mm-hmm. I have sowed them now a few weeks ago and they are already up and they are huge already. <laughs> it feels like I went away for one week. <laughs> and they're like four inches tall already so that's been so exciting to see so they are uh, they're rearing to grow and I I set up all of the some netting along the fence um so they have somewhere to climb and yeah it's just been it's been so fun to see these beans that you gave me and now they're out here and they seem to be doing well so far yeah well these are all ones I think originally they came from the farm I brought a few things uh beans and stuff from the farm that I plant here every year and I save my seeds every year. So they're, they've got a good history behind them. <laughs> yeah. How long do you think you've been saving those beans? Oh, oh I've always saved those ones from year to year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so it's been a couple decades. Oh, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, it's been, a, it's been a long road of you having, having gardens and saving things from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's been a, a joy the whole time. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, it's it, it really feels like in some ways the kind of like the best gift that you could have to be able to have these seeds passed down from you to your kids to me. Um, and to think that like, oh, Gran has been growing these for decades already. And this is like a, a gift that's been passed down. Uh, you've been caring for these things for so long and now I get to care for them. And I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you'll never look at a bean that you won't think of me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll be cooking up some baked beans in the middle of winter and thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky me. Uh, yeah. So having lived through all of these different times that you have, starting in the Great Depression and the World Wars going on to now in this crazy pandemic... I guess I was wondering what sustainability and like food security more broadly means to you. 
Well, of course, it's always been there. That's a, this is part of always having enough ahead in case you had to use it during the winter, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I, it worries me today. Oh, people are going back to gardening, as I say. But I often wonder what would happen if our supplies didn't come in. Could mm-hmm. anybody really have enough to, to live on? And I'm glad to see people are starting to do it again mm-hmm. and realize that it doesn't come from just a grocery store. It comes out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but it's it's so true that there's there's so much of that disconnect there where you ask people, a lot of people my age have never had to survive without grocery stores. They just really take it for mm-hmm. For granted, in some ways, they just assume that it will always be there, available mm-hmm. if they need it. So, yeah, I'm glad to see that more uh, younger people are getting back into it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, at this point, I live in a small town, so we have a farmers market here on the weekends. We also, at our grocery store, the the uh, B and H here, they have all local produce in it, which is great, mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. a lot of heritage ones, like the different colored carrots. And we have oh, heritage yeah. tomatoes. I mean, it's it's really, we have a bounty here in the summer. Mm-hmm. Last year, I got some seeds for heritage tomatoes. And I'm going to do that again this year because they were good. Mm, uh, yeah. Now, whether it's in my mind or not, but they tasted better to me. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, I can imagine. Oh, it's just fun to hear about how things used to be, you know? I think that's like mm-hmm. every every generation, it's kind of, it's fun to think back even, uh, I don't know, 50 years and how much has changed. It seems that life changes very quickly these days, but your beans are the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, your beans are the same. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's more exotic ones now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see all these different things. And I'm trying some peppers this year that are uh, originally from Bolivia. It's this type of Bolivian rainbow pepper. And so I texted a friend who's from Bolivia and I I asked him if he had ever seen them. He said no. Uh, (laughs) But it was still fun to it's still fun to see like, oh, wow, I wonder if this thing that's come all the way from Bolivia will will work here on the West Coast. But it's also cool to see things that have been grown on the West Coast for, you know, generations and and to grow those. Mm -hmm how deeply rooted they are and regionally adapted and and all of these things um that kind of continuation of of history and of tradition is also uh it's it's fun to mix both of those in the same garden mm-hmm. no i grew some uh green jalap- red jalapenos last year which i had never grown before now i must admit i bought the plants mm. but i pickled those in the fall and uh your uncle ronnie who's a, a connoisseur of jalapeno pickles, said they were the best he'd tasted. Oh, wow. Pickles a whole, pick, they, they grew about four inches long, and they were red, and or a purpley red, and I pickled them, and they were delicious, apparently. Huh, good. If these peppers actually ever come up, uh, <laughs> I will have to ask you for a pickling recipe uh, I'm worried that it could be kind of an abundance of peppers. If everything comes up that I planted, we could be we'll swap ready. them for something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I'll have to, eh? Well, actually, so that brings me to, I guess, another question of you were showing me when I was at your house last how you have uh, you have some of your pep- your tomato plants by the house, and then you had some other in a 
in raised beds or actually it was a Rubbermaid filled with soil eh? uh, mm-hmm. across the lawn to prevent the cross pollination. So mm-hmm. I guess you knowing a lot about what was self-pollinating, what was cross-pollinating, uh, kind of population sizes, maybe a little bit of how many plants you needed to keep to be able to save seeds from and not get inbreeding mm-hmm. depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the trouble is if you plant the little tiny ones too close to your big tomatoes, sometimes they'll cross-pollinate and then you, you won't get small or big. So I keep those apart. Mm-hmm. I plant them in different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you always have to plant some marigolds in to keep the bugs off stuff, too. Yeah. You yeah. put marigolds in your garden, and that'll keep a lot of the d- bugs off your plants. Mm-hmm. What about, um, like, planning your garden in terms of, like, do you rotate where you plant things? Oh, yeah. Well, I never can remember where I put it the year before anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's crazy just to think about... Uh, having uh just taking care of myself seems like a lot of work and then you were living in a time with six kids and like no laundry machines no no dishwashers for at least a little while when they were really young and yeah, uh, that's right. growing all of your own food I mean man the time commitment <laughs> yeah yeah well, I don't know we were never bored I'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> oh my hmm. goodness Wow. And then, of course, you always had flowers, too. You had a uh, like a butterfly gardener and, and that sort of thing. Your flowers were just the frills of your garden, though. Yeah. But that was but the fun part. Cool. Yeah. yeah. They do. I mean, they have a job, too. Everything, I'm uh... still growing milkweed for the butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Granny, for, for taking the time to chat about this. I mean, it's always a joy to talk to you. Uh, but but it's, it's, I think, important to have these times, either formally or informally, where we, we pass down this knowledge from generation to generation. And I hope mm-hmm. one day I can either share with my oh, kids. You'll, yeah, <laughs> you'll certainly carry it on. You'll certainly carry it on. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass along some of the, the information that you told me or the stories that you told me. And it, yeah, I don't know. I, I find some, some comfort in that. Well, I know even my great-grandson, uh, Lindsay's little guy, he's planted a bean that's up and he's all excited. Oh. <laughs> and he's three. <laughs> oh my gosh, your great-grandkids keeping those beans going. <laughs> yep, those beans are our are, are life. <laughs> Seedheads is produced by the Bedwa Family Initiative on Canadian Seed Security, a program of SeedChange. SeedChange's main office is located on the traditional, unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. You'll find Seedheads wherever you find your favourite podcasts. This work is made possible thanks to our amazing donors and the incredible community of farmers and organisations we work with. To find episode transcripts and translations, Learn more about our programs and to support Seedwork in Canada, please visit seedsecurity.ca.